Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. But I want to tag off on, tag on to, or, or add on to a couple of thoughts that we've been sharing over the last month from 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. And it says this, but make sure that in your hearts you honor Christ as Lord and always be ready. Always be ready. I went into Thanksgiving week knowing that I didn't have to preach this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. God has a funny sense of humor, doesn't he? <laughs> this is what Peter says. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope that you have. How many of you have hope this morning? Not just a natural hope, like I hope it's going to be okay. I hope it's going to turn better. I, I, but it's a, it is a confident and favorable expectation. You get a confident and favorable expectation. You have hope in God, a confidence about God. And the Bible says that you are to be ready to give an answer why you have that hope, why you do what you do, why you prioritize your life the way that you do. He says again, be ready to give the reason for it, but do it gently and with respect. When Pastor John preached a couple of weeks ago, Pastor John talked about the idea that he had made Jesus the savior of his life, the fire insurance of his life, the, the way of escape so that his eternity was good, but he hadn't really surrendered to the lordship of Christ. And that's the first thing that Peter was talking about. Peter said that you need to honor him, that you need to reverence him in your heart as he is the Lord, the supreme, the God of all and above all, and that we are under his authority, that we are under his rulership, if you will. And there's a transition that happens in all of our lives where we move from the fact that he is our savior to he is our Lord, that he's the Lord of our life, that we go to him that we honor him, that we respect him, that we answer to him in a sense. And then I preached about why do I have confidence in God and use this word that really we only use in church. It's the word righteousness, but it simply means to have right standing with God. And when you have right standing with God, and if you don't know that you have right standing with God, you will try to earn right standing. You will try to get right standing in different ways. And when we fall short of those ways, we lose the confidence that we have in God. And so as it says in the book of Hebrews that we can approach the throne of grace boldly when we need help, we, we, we don't have that confidence to go before God. And so therefore, we can't ask him in a bold manner the way that he wants us to. And we found that during that message, we found that the key to right standing with God isn't in keeping the law, but it's in believing something. It's not in doing something, it's in believing something and how believing, how faith changes every part of our life. There will always be, please hear this this morning, there will always be the need for an element of faith in your life because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And when I talk about faith, I am not talking about necessarily, you know, the denomination. I'm not talking about this kind of overall thing that, you know, are you a person of faith? I'm talking about faith that believes what God said in spite of what I feel, in spite of what I see, in spite of what I know. I trust and believe that what God says is more alive and more powerful than what I think, than what I feel, than what I myself have been taught or believe. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. And then Pastor Tommy talked about what it really means to ha have God as your covering and that sometimes we look to the church and, and, and he shared a moment in his life where actually he didn't necessarily kind of got disenchanted with the whole idea of church, but he never left 
the umbrella of protection, the umbrella of God's covering, if you will, and the difference that it made in his life. And I want to talk to you a little bit this morning. Actually, last week, I talked a little bit about uh, why we kicked off Joy to the World. And for those of you who maybe are new here, and if, you're, if, you're, if this is like one of your first times here at Joy, man, you get a big attaboy, girl. I mean, thank you for coming this morning and being a part of this service and, and uh, navigating whatever you had to navigate to get here. Um, but, but Joy to the World is, is really where we as a church get to practice uh, uh, something that I call radical and extravagant generosity. We do this, do this service once a month, or I'm sorry, once a year, this Joy to the World outreach so that we can be a blessing. And we planted seed for 2020. And thank you for so many of you that gave last Sunday, 49.95. We can change the world. It's the power of everybody being able to do more than somebody can. We'll be receiving that offering uh, until the end of the year. And uh, we thank you for that. And with that, we can really make a difference. It is our heart to make a difference here in central Minnesota where God has planted us. But I shared with all, again, the context of of always being ready to give a reason. Why do you do what you do? And I, I shared with you some financial decisions that Shelly and I have made in our family and in our life and why I can boldly say I believe that it is better to give to God. It is better to do what Proverbs says, honor the Lord with the first part of your increase. Whenever the first thing comes into your hand, honor God with it. Give him back a portion of it. It's not sacrifice. It is planting seed. One of the most important lessons you can ever learn as a follower of Christ is being able to steward and manage the things that God gives to you. So in that context of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, always be ready. Why have you surrendered to the lordship of Christ? And really the idea, again, when you read that, make sure that in your hearts you honor Christ as Lord. And, and there's a lot of people that, well, you know, I honor Jesus as Lord in my heart. He's, he's, he's you know, the big buddy. Me, we, we, We're tight. But you know, as far as living it out there, I just kind of keep, I have a quiet faith. I have a private faith. Sometimes our faith is so private, God doesn't even know you have faith. We're afraid. We're timid. And here, Peter is writing that when you authentically live out your faith, when you authentically place Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, people are going to ask you why. They're going to ask you why you go to church more than just on holidays. They're going to ask you, why do you go to church during the week? What? Why do you do whatever that small group thing, people getting together? Why do you do that? Why do you give your money to God? Don't you know that that's, that's just a con game? Why do you do what you do? When you authentically live out your faith, you say no to some things that everybody else is saying yes to. You say yes to things that nobody else is saying yes to. People are going to ask you about it. Why aren't you all caught up in the chaos of this life? Why is it that it seems like even when you go through tough things, it seems like there's a joy in you. It seems like there's a peace in you. Why is it? And that then you with... Respect, with humility, you can give your response. And so the theme and the idea is to always be ready. Always be ready when the opportunity arises. Always be ready to trust that on the inside of you, something is greater, something is bigger, something is more powerful that will enable you in those moments. And that's what faith is. Faith is stepping out even when you're afraid to. Faith is stepping out. Even though you don't see the outcome, even though you don't see the end from the beginning, you take a step trusting that God is there. 
And you begin to move. You begin to live. You begin to, to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. And so the idea is believing that there's something in our heart, something on the inside of us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if any man is in Christ, if any person is in Christ, and the way we get in Christ is a decision of our heart and of our mind that we say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. You're brand new on the inside. Old things have passed away. And all things become brand new. See, it starts on the inside. It starts on the inside with what God does on the inside of you. In Romans chapter 8, it says that if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now think about the power that it took to raise Christ. That is the greatest single display of the power of God ever. The power that it took to raise Jesus from the devil when it, because it, 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 it caused the enemy to be defeated. It brought victory to your life and to my life. And that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead now lives in. Everybody say in. in. It lives in you. But just because it lives in you doesn't mean that's all there is to it. It doesn't mean that just because that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you now, I just sort of muddle along in life, and when I die, I'm going to get to go to heaven. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, there is an effect on the outside. It says he will quicken. The word quicken, this is King James, New King James Version, but the word quicken means make alive or bring life to. Since the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, it lives on the inside of me. This is a faith proposition because it lives on the inside of me. It affects the outside. It brings life to the outside. It regenerates something that is going on. Instead of me being a, a person that is always angry and bitter, I now can have life and joy. Because of something on the inside that wants to show up on the outside. Jesus said in John chapter 4 and John chapter 7, he used the illustration of water. He said that, that there would be salvation that would bubble up in you like a well of water. That would eventually, in John 7, it says, become a river of life that would flow out of you. Something starts on the inside, and it works its way to the outside. Peter again says that when people ask you about something that happened on the inside now showing up on the outside, be ready to give a reason for it. Be ready. Be ready. Everybody, look at the person next to you and say, be ready. Look at the person on the other side of you, even though you said, you, 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 you know, made them your second choice, say, be ready. <laughs> Here's why all of this is important, because people are going to ask you why. Listen to the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here's my point. Well, it's one of my points. <laughs> it would be like a start today. I got lots of points. All right. If the good, hopefully we have points. <laughs> if the good news that we preach is hidden, if it is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. If the light and the life of Christ, if the lordship of Christ that we are to live out is hidden by a veil or it's hidden in your life, if nobody ever sees the faith that you have, it is only hidden. If you save your faith about Jesus for Sunday morning in church when you're here, it doesn't really matter on the inside, but it is hidden to people who are perishing. Do you realize every single day and every Sunday, there are people who drive by this building who think there is not one relevant thing to their life on the inside? How many of you believe Jesus is the answer? You say, well, what's the question? It doesn't matter what the question is. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the key that will unlock every lock that the enemy ever tried to lock you up with. 
Jesus is the key for every circumstance and problem in life. And I think that most of you would believe that, but for most of the people who go by here, it's veiled. The, the light and the life that we all experience, it's veiled inside this building. It is, lived for, it is designed for us to live it on the outside to the people that are perishing. He goes on, verse 4, Satan is the God of this world who has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. There are blinders that people have. It's in attitudes. It's in people who have misrepresented God. It's in false teaching, wrong teaching, tradition. All of those things have blinded the minds of people so they don't truly believe. So they, they, they don't get to truly experience the life that God has for them. I'm so passionate about this particular point. I really, really am. I know that God is great, and I know that God is good, and I know that God is a God of love, and I know that God is a God who is for us, and he is not against us, and yet there are people out there who believe the opposite. They believe that God is hard. They believe that God is cruel. They believe that God is the one who is sending famine and sickness and disease and poverty and all kinds of problems on this world, and whenever there's a tragedy, it's like, why didn't God do something about this? Can I tell you this morning? God already did. And it ticks me off when people go out lying about God. I almost said a little bit stronger word. <laughs> but I didn't have the intestinal fortitude to say it, Gordy. <laughs> Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They can't see it. And so it's up to us to represent it. It's up to us to live it. It's up to us to share it. They can't see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ. In other, other words, the glory of Christ. We're, we're celebrating in Christmas season that Jesus is the word that was made flesh. And John said, we beheld his glory. Man, there was something radiating out of him. That was glorious. It was the na nature of God. It was the acts of God in human form. And that's now what Paul is writing here when he said that they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news, the glorious light of the good. God's word in us produces something that is beautiful and wonderful and powerful. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is, a, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what Peter said. Honor the Lord. Honor him as the Lord in your heart. We preach that Jesus is supreme, that he is above all, that he has ascended to that position because of what he did in his death, in his burial, and more importantly, in the resurrection over those things. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine where? In our hearts. Something on the inside should show up on the outside. I'm trying to prove to you this morning that there's more in you than perhaps you are aware of there's more in you that perhaps you've ever led on to anyone else around you. There's more on the inside of you. There is more light, more life, 
more power, more ability. It is on the inside of you right now. And we are sitting around waiting for God to show up, waiting for God to do something. And God is saying, I just want you to take a step. Be ready and trust that when the opportunity is there, take a step and trust that whatever I have put on the inside of you will show up on the outside of you. You could go to the book of Acts and you could follow the disciples as they, as they you know, after the resurrection and this newly forming thing that was called the church. And they began to encounter some resistance from the religious leaders of the day. And, and they were thrown in prison. They were arrested. They were questioned. All kinds of different things began to happen to them. But the one thing that every person that questioned them took note of was that they'd been with Jesus. Something about Jesus was showing up in their lives. And it was what Jesus had said. When you're asked questions, trust that you will open your mouth and I will give you the words to say. And ignorant fishermen, their words, not mine, ignorant fishermen confounded the doctors of the law. Because something on the inside was greater than what was on the outside. And that same life, that same power, that same resource is in you right now and available to you right now. So be ready. Be ready when the opportunity comes. Now, those of you that are parents or, or have ever been children, if you've ever been a child, perhaps you've ever experienced this before or maybe as a parent, how many of you have ever given your children as a parent, you've given your child something, maybe it's a bike, Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's a cell phone. Maybe it's, you know, some kind of online privilege. How many of you have ever given your child something? You've given that to them, but then you've went to them and said, now, this is yours. And technically, it's really not theirs. Like, let's say a cell phone or an iPad or something like that. This is yours. I'm trusting you with it, but there's certain rules to this. There's certain regulations. If you mismanage your online time, I'm going to take it back from you. I'm giving it to you. It's a gift to you. You can use it, or, or really what it is, is you can manage this, mine, but I'm letting you manage this bicycle. I'm letting you manage this online time. I'm letting you manage this, but if you misuse it, I'm going to have to take it back from you. If you misuse it, there's going to be some consequences. How many of you have ever experienced that either as a child or a parent? Anyone? All right, about half of you. All right. I don't have any other illustration to help you out then this morning. That's the only one I got that I can even think of remotely. But this is a picture of what God does. This is a picture of how God has worked, I think, how God works with us. God is the parent. And God has given to us resources. He's provided a miracle for you in what we call the new birth. Jesus said, you must be born again. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That's the miracle that God gives you. He has forgiven your sin and put a new life on the inside of you. In fact, that life on the inside of you is like the life that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. That's in you now. He has given it to you. It is the miracle. But now it's up to you to manage it. And once you understand, I think, once you understand that all of the resources that come into your hand, Last week, we were talking about financial resources. You are a manager of what God brings to you. And it's the same thing with the, your, your life, your time. You manage everything that God brings into your hands. You're the manager of the miracle. 
You're the manager of the life. You're the manager of what God has done on the inside of you. And a way that I think is illustrated in, in, in the Bible, when you look at the Old Testament, the, the nation of Israel, they were in Egyptian captivity for 400 years. For 400 years, generation after generation, they learned the mindset of a slave. They learned the mindset of everything that they do, they will be told what they are to do. They were totally dependent upon the Egyptians for everything. 400 years come and go, and God brings a deliverer. His name is Moses, and Moses leads them out with a mighty hand. Miracle after miracle after miracle, and they are now free from Egyptian captivity. But they still have, while they have been freed from Egypt's grip, the mindset, the mentality of slavehood and slavery is still a part of their life. They have to change how they think. They have to change how they view things. And so God says to Moses, and, and Moses leads them out. They go through the, 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 the Red Sea. They're out on the other side. Now they're, they're journeying through the wilderness. And the Bible says that God could have taken them the short way. It was an 11-day journey that took 40 years. Can anyone relate? If you can't say amen, say oh me. Because many of us are on a journey that really should have, we should have already arrived and we're still wandering. An 11-day journey that took 40 years. And the reason, actually the Bible says that God didn't take them the short way because they were going to encounter some enemies along the way. And if they weren't ready to encounter those enemies, they were going to go back to Egypt. And there are things that God wants to bring you into that you're not ready yet for and you're going to have to fight some battles. And again, most of those battles are surrender battles. They're lordship battles. Putting God, like we like to say, putting God number one, or as I like to say, that sometimes what you want for you is going to be different than what God wants for you. So God begins to bring them through the promised land, through Moses' leadership, and they wander for 40 years there at the banks of the Jordan River. Now they're about to go in. Moses dies. God brings a change. God brings a change. And in that change, Joshua is now installed as the leader. And Joshua, with, try to make a long story short, Joshua is going to initiate a new mindset. Joshua has to bring them into something that they've never experienced before. They've heard about it. They've heard about this land that flows with milk and honey. They've heard about this, this promised land where God had said, it is yours I'm giving it to you. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. You will, you will inhabit the cities. You will have fields that you didn't plant. There's going to be all kinds of, of spoils and riches, all kinds of great things that are going to happen in that land. It's yours, but you have to go in and possess that land. I'm providing it for you. I'm giving it to you. Do you realize that in the promised land, technically it was more difficult than it was in the wilderness? They didn't have to fight anybody in the wilderness. God dropped food. He rained food down from them. When they got into the promised land, they had to fight battles. They had to defeat giants. There were walled cities that were stopping them. They had to plant and they had to harvest. They had to do all kinds of different things. There was a totally different mindset that was required in the promised land that there was in the wilderness. And that's what God wants to bring us into. He wants to bring us into a promised land. He wants, us to, to, wants to bring us into a responsibility that we steward the miracle, steward the promise, steward what God has already entrusted to us. It takes a mindset change, though. Instead of just showing up to, at church to see what I'm going to get, it is now every day living it out in my life. 
You know, the psalmist said, I think it's the Psalms 118. Actually, I have the scripture. I want to jump to that for just a moment, if you would. Psalm 118, 21 says, I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. 22, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. That's a, that's a messianic promise of Jesus. This is talking about something that Jesus did. This is the Lord's doing. It's wonderful to see. Verse 24, verse that some of you sing, many of you have heard. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord made. Now, he's not talking about a Tuesday or a Sunday or a Thursday. He's talking about an age where the cornerstone Jesus is, is now in charge. It's the age that we live in today. You see, God makes the day. God provided the promised land, but you and I manage it. We steward it. God makes the day, but it's up to us to steward our rejoicing of it. How many of you know that in the days that we live, this is one of the things I want to kind of hit on tomorrow night in First Monday. I know that this, this season, because partly because we just, this is all we talk about. It's just so stressful. I got so much going on. It's just so chaotic. I just don't know what I'm going to do. Blah, 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 blah. We're already convinced before we ever get here, we're letting stress and pressure and all kinds of stuff just jump right on in. Come on in. Yeah. Oh, I know it's tough for you, but oh, you ain't seen the problems I got. It's going to be, it is what it is. It is what we let it be. So tomorrow night, we're going we're to talk about that. We'll do some communion, some worship. I, I just believe this. Again, give God your first Monday. I believe the rest of it is going to go really well. So come and be a part of that. I, I, just, I just sense a time of peace, a time of, of God filling our heart with, with, with good things. And, and, and so, again, he says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. We'll be glad. The Bible says that there's nobody that can steal your joy. I said this last week, and I got kind of corrected on the inside. I said, you know, some of you stealing my joy. Well, it's up to me to manage the joy that God gives me. Nobody can steal it from me. I said, no one can see. So the, the, that's what Jesus said, words in red. Jesus said, I've given you a joy that nobody can take away from you. You should remember that this holiday season because there will be joy robbers in your life. They will drive in front of you. They will be in the lines. They will, they, they will have all of their stuff except three items that they got to go back to get. There will be people in the 12-item or less checkout line with 15 items. There will be people all around you ready to steal your joy. God has given you the joy, and it's up to you to manage it. This is the day the Lord has made. And I don't care what this day brings to me. I'm choosing to rejoice because Jesus is in charge of the day, the age that I'm living in. And so, again, when, when the children of Israel, when they, under Joshua's leadership, a new mindset, they, they crossed the Jordan River. One of the things they say, take, took one from each of the 12 tribes, said, I want you to pile up a bunch of stones in the river. The stones were to remind them of the miracle that God brought to their life. Fast forward in time just a little bit. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. After that generation died, the generation that went into the promised land, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the sight, in the Lord's sight, and they served the images of Baal. They forgot what God had done. They forgot 
what God had brought them into. Part of the reason that I wanted to reinforce the song, I am who you say I am, is because it is so easy for us to forget. It is so easy for us to forget to manage, that we are managers of the resources that God brings into our life. We are managers. We are stewards of the anointing, of the power, of the grace, of the mercy, of the, 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 the same life that raised Jesus from the dead. And we can call upon that. We can manage it in the most difficult and extreme times of our life. When we don't know what to do, there is one in us who does know what to do. And rather than getting caught up in, I don't know what to do, oh my God, it's so bad, it's so hard, stop for a moment, get quiet for a moment, look to the inside, look to the inside. And so, again, as, as Paul was writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if the good news that we preach is hidden, talks about this great resource that's on the inside of us, verse 7 he says this, we now, everybody say now, now, right now, we now have this light, the light of the gospel of Christ, the power of God, we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. I think that for most of us, and really what Paul's talking about, you know, the Bible says that we're as flesh and blood beings made from the dust of the ground and, you know do a funeral and, you know, you came from the dust, you'll return to the dust. That's, that's the flesh. That's the body. And that's what Paul's referring to. You're like an earthen jar. You're like a clay pot. But there's something on the inside of you. And I think that for most of us, we are far more aware of the clay pot than we are the life that's on the inside of us. I think that for some of us, this was a gift that was given to me years ago, that for a lot of us, we kind of view ourselves like this. We view ourselves as a clay pot that's really not that good looking. In fact, we got a lot of cracks. We got a lot of holes. There's a lot of spots in our life, a lot of, a lot of imperfections in our life that we're not proud of. Anyone? Been some hurts. And we hear everything that Pastor Brian is saying, and we so wish it was true. But all that we can see is the clay pot. All that we can see is who life has told us that we are that we're broken, that we're insufficient. And you know what? It really doesn't matter what life has taught you. It doesn't matter what people of influence have said about you. It doesn't matter, as I like to say, it doesn't matter what your coach said, your ex said. It doesn't matter what your boss said. What matters is what God said. What matters is what God said. And if I could take that a step farther, what really matters is believing what God said in spite of what you feel, in spite of what you think, in spite of what somebody else has said. It is the biggest struggle and the greatest blessing of your life when you choose to believe in spite of what you feel, in spite of what the mirror says. We have this treasure. I like it how it says it again. We have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves, we see ourselves, we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. We're like that, but we're not that. We're like that, but we're not that. Because Paul goes on, if you would please, he goes on and he says this, next slide, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like, can't even say it, fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Let me say treasure. You may be a fragile clay pot. There's great treasure on the inside of you. This makes it clear. 
that our great power is from God and not of ourselves. This great power is from God, not of ourselves. The Apostle Paul said this, this is why I take great pleasure in weakness. It's why the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, when I am weak, what am I? I'm strong. You see, what he wants to do is he wants to let the light shine through the hurts of our life. And when people ask you, why is it that you believe? Why is it that you have hope? Why is it that you feel the need to rejoice when everybody else around you is crying? You can say, it's because the greater one is on the inside of me. And people might look at the, the damage of your life. They might look at the pain of your life and understand <laughs> that the grace of God is greater, that the mercy of God is more powerful in your life. And again, it's why the Apostle Paul said, it's why I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my weaknesses, in my troubles, and in my trials, because this is the day the Lord made. And in spite of the infirmities or the weaknesses and the troubles and the trials, I'm choosing to rejoice today because when I give over to that, instead of you know, the attitude of gratitude, gratitude is not gratitude until it's expressed. And when you begin to give gratitude for God to who he has made you to be, not how the world has formed you, but who God has created you to be, when you begin to do that, that light begins to shine. That light begins to radiate. And it doesn't just fall on you, and it doesn't just help you. It helps people around you so that the veil that might be causing people to not see the gloriousness of Christ now is shining out of you so that they can see the power, and they can see the life, and they can see the joy that is real. And instead of misrepresenting a God by saying, well, you know, God, is hard and he's mean and he's tough and all these other things or poor old me. There is no poor old you. There's an overcomer in you because the greater one's on the inside of you. So don't give in to the temptation. Don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the lack. Don't get into the idea. Give in to the idea that you are not enough because when you're not enough, the power of God is on the inside of you waiting to come out, waiting to bubble forth and waiting to cause a reality in you that will cause other people to look and say, why do you have that grace? Why do you have that joy? I want to know more about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, I got a little bit of soul. <laughs> but it's time for us to go. Cause it's, we're gonna let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Don't you know, I want you to know. I'm having a little bit of fun today. I may not be the Teen Challenge Choir, but I still got a lot to say. For the greater one is in me. I said the greater one is in me. Are you all ready to go right now? Because I got a lot of little song to sing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said this is the day the Lord has made. I think it's time for us to do a little bit of rejoicing, a little bit of shouting. 
a little bit of being glad, glad, glad. Oh, this is a day. Stand up right now. Oh, we got some things to say. We got some things to say. Oh, give him praise this morning. Give him praise. This is the day. This is the day. This is the day. Yeah, this is the day, Lord. You've made and we will rejoice. We will rejoice in this in, in spite of what we see, in spite of what we know. We will rejoice. Come on, rejoice. Stir up that joy. Stir up that joy is on the inside. It's on the inside. You might want to just jump a little bit. You might just want to rejoice. You might just want to sing for joy. Oh yeah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, hallelujah, hallelujah, glory, 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 hallelujah. Father, change hearts this morning, touch lives today. Father, refresh our spirits, our minds, and our bodies with your spirit today, glory, glory, because there's something on the inside that is powerful and full of life and full of glory. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. What time is it? It's praise time. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I have one thought, and then I promise that I should be almost done. You know, this is something that just jumped out at me. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let there be light in darkness, has made this light to shine in our hearts. Shines in. A, would you please put that up? 2 Corinthians 4. <clears throat> Down there in about verse 6, he has made this light shine in our hearts. Everybody see it? So that we could what? Who could know the glory of God? We would. God does something in us, asks it to shine it in the world so we can know something. <laughs> you see, there are times that you're going to do something as a response to faith and trust even though you feel inadequate, even though you don't feel big enough or powerful enough, you're going to take that step. And when you do, God's going to show up. And when God shows up, not only is it going to bring a blessing outside to those people that God has showed up through you to, <laughs> you're going to step back later and say, Whoo, God, that was cool. I didn't even know I knew that stuff. I didn't know what I was going to say, but I started. You know what that is? That's God showing you his glory. That's God showing you his glory. So don't be afraid this week when God gives you the opportunity to let your light shine. We're all <laughs> a bunch of crackpots. Like somebody said, Pastor Brian, you're nuts. Yeah, but I'm screwed on the right bolt. And I will be a nut for Jesus to help people know that God is good and full of life and full of love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you one more time just give your praise to God. Hallelujah. Father, we are so thankful. And we are so grateful for the life that you put on the inside of us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for bringing refreshing to our hearts and lives today. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. And we will see you tomorrow night.